the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, episode 149. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show and be the first to hear about our new Unruffled Retreat offering taking place in the fall of 2020. We only have 12 spots available and patrons will have first dibs at reserving their spot once we release it. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash The Unruffled Podcast. And that's not it. You can also share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. To find out more about our personal creative offerings, one-on-one programming, and future Unruffled listener meetups, please subscribe to our newsletters or visit our websites. Links to all of the things mentioned here can be found in SoundCloud, or on our Instagram page for the show, at The Unruffled Podcast. Now, on to the show. Today on the show, we are continuing with our series of doing interviews with our Unruffled listeners. And um, we did an open call, and Christy Hughes is one of the gals that stepped up. And so today, we're bringing you Christy Hughes, who is a native Texan. I love my Texans. And she returned home to Fort Worth after a four-year stay in Arizona where she met her husband and she found a niche niche in the pet industry. After 20 years in buying, she switched careers and is now thriving in a new sales role. She is the national account manager for a pet food company and as an empath, loves the relationship building aspect of her job. While it requires a lot of travel, which she shares in the podcast, she takes her sobriety tools on the road to navigate new cities and experiences. Her spiritual journey has led her down a new path of yoga, Reiki, and chakra study. She has been volunteering for her weekly Meals on Wheels route for over a year now and recently became a mentor through Big Brothers Big Sisters. On weekends, she and her husband are developing 20 acres in Central Texas for a future hobby farm. Rediscovering ties to her farming roots, she is enjoying this journey of skill building, gardening, and communing with nature. Um, I had the pleasure of working with Christy through Change Your Story this fall, and she uh, really made a whole lot of progress into writing a book um, that she's working on about the influence of her inspirational grandmothers and how that ties in with her sobriety. And um, she also writes a, a weekly blog, and it's called uh, Cultivating Kindness, to, and it is to inspire others to live 
by um, the Golden Rule. And you can find her website at cultivatingkindness.net. Um, she also is on Instagram at kind underscore TXN, so short for Texan. And she also documents her farming journey on Instagram too. And at, that is at the underscore Hughes underscore homestead. And we hope that you enjoy listening to Christy. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Christy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Sandra. Well, where are we talking to you from, Christy? Let, let our listeners know where you're at, because I know you travel a fair amount. So where are you at today? I do, but today I'm at home in Fort Worth, Texas. So I am just a few hours north of Sandra. We oh. had the pleasure of meeting in Austin, so that mm-hmm. was fun back in November. But yeah, we live in Fort Worth full time and yeah, I travel all over the country. When did we meet, Christy? Was that in October? It was August. I can't oh believe my gosh. it's been six months. It doesn't seem like that. But no, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, well, it was August when I was there for a wedding. Yeah, I love, I love how we in the community can just reach out. Hey, I'm going to be in this town, right? And I was like, oh, I have, a, I, you know, I have some meetings to recommend. We can meet for coffee. Um, and that we really actually made that happen. And you got to meet Natalie when you were here in um, Northern California. Natalie Fairbrook, who's been on our show. Yes, her and I have kept in touch. So it's Aww, yeah. I love it. Oh, that's great. I love it. And you guys rendezvoused, right? For coffee and Oh yeah, yeah. Christy and, and I, mm-hmm. Christy and I, yeah, we worked together through my program Change Your Story. And then Christy was coming to Austin um with a friend to just for a fun weekend. And so yeah, we met for coffee and that was really fun. I love coffee dates with strangers. I say that all yes. the time. <laughs> Me too. And actually one of the first pods I listened to, you talked about that. And that's what opened me up to the idea. That you could actually reach out and I would most likely say yes. (laughs) Same here. Or anybody. Yeah, it's great. Um, And I will, I did order my meditation pillow and I got to pick it up in person, which is the best way to pick up a gift like that. Yeah. Very lucky. Very lucky. Well, cool. Well, we, um, we're happy to have you on, especially since you've worked with Sandra, we've met in real life. And I just feel like um, our listeners are going to get to know you as well. So how we normally kick things off is um, asking about your sobriety date and to share with our listeners a brief um, story about how you came to the decision to quit drinking. So could you share those two things with us? Sure. So my sobriety date is May 12th, 2018. So I am coming up on two years and I uh, just celebrated 20 months on Sunday. It was funny. I was thinking about how at first you sort of celebrate like a toddler, you know, every month is a milestone. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to have uh, two years in May. I was pretty... I guess my drinking really relates back to mental health and I have battled depression and anxiety my whole life, even as a kid. So I can look back now and see that drinking was uh, not a good solution, not a healthy solution, but a solution for what I was feeling in terms of rejection and insecurity and really self-esteem issues. So I always looked for value from other people. And 
when I started drinking, it was like, oh, I'm so carefree and I'm not thinking about all of these things that make me self-conscious. And so I embraced that uh, as this sort of, I'm a Gemini. So I was like, oh, I'm the party girl sometimes and I'm serious when I need to be. And uh, I was always an overachiever in my real life and then completely went off the rails when it came to drinking. But I went to college and I, that's really when it started. I was drinking, binge drinking all the time. I started blacking out. So the blackouts were always a big part of my drinking. And I thought that was just normal college party life and that I would outgrow it. And I really didn't. I guess in my 20s, I got married. We bought a house. And so, of course, that was the whole, okay, I had my life together. I had this great job. And I was married and we bought a house and I was doing all the things you're supposed to do. So when my marriage didn't work out, it really changed. I sort of reverted back to that behavior. And I ended up in a couple of very dysfunctional relationships. Okay, hold on. I'm sorry. I got to stop you for a second. I'm so curious. How old were you when you got married? So I was 25 when I got married. And when, and you got divorced. Yes. I got divorced in 2009, so I guess I was um, early 30s. Early 30s. Okay, go ahead. I was married for seven years. So yeah, I jumped into a rebound relationship that was terrible, and we spent a lot of time at the bar, and work was not going well because of that. Mm, So naturally, I changed jobs and changed (laughs) boyfriends because that's what we do, right? Right. (laughs) Yes. Let's just mix this up. They're the problem. We're not. Yeah, let's keep going. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So I ended up in a relationship with a severe alcoholic and Mm. I started to look at my own behaviors. So I was about 35 at the time and I started checking into moderation programs and different things. So I kind of knew at that point that I wanted to change my relationship with alcohol. And at the time, I thought, well, it's also related to this relationship with this person. I actually visited an Al-Anon meeting, and I had forgotten that until really recently. Mm-hmm. But I think that was my first uh, exposure to 12-step, and I didn't, it wasn't what I expected. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe this relationship needs to come to an end. And once again, I changed jobs, only this time I moved out of state. So geographic action here. Okay. I see what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. All the fresh starts. Yeah. Yeah. um, Cause you're trying, that's what you're, you're you're striving for. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you think that every step it'll be okay? Well, I can start over. And in 2012, I moved to Arizona and I started a new job and I, I actually love Arizona. I just got back from a trip to Arizona. I love going back there. And I do think it started to help unfold everything that led to my sobriety. So I, at first, was really adjusting to the move, and I bought a house, and I discovered the dive bar down the street. So I was there several nights a week, and again, trying to live this double life of I'm going to work, I'm doing my job, I'm trying to, to, to be an exemplary employee, and nobody knew that I was staying out till two in the morning drinking at the bar and it was so exhausting and I ended up meeting my now husband at that bar 
we are such a success story. We totally do like beat the odds. <laughs> <laughs> How you beat someone and then end up, um, he is a huge uh, champion for my sobriety today, but we met mm-hmm. at the bar and that was kind of when things started to change. I was turning 40. I felt like this party girl lifestyle wasn't serving me anymore. I had met this man who I really loved and wanted to to have a better relationship with. And I was kind of considering maybe a career change. So I got my personal training certificate and I was had been working out this whole time, but never really achieving my goals because that's hard to do when you're binge drinking three or four nights a week. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I have to to really buckle down and become the a, a better example. And so I kind of explored that idea. I I quit for about 50 days that year and I white knuckled the whole time. So mm-hmm. I had terrible anxiety. Um, didn't really know, I didn't have any tools and the anxiety was at an all time high. And so I was really struggling. And so the first opportunity I had to go back to drinking, I did. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, which is 2016, my grandmother, who was quickly approaching a hundred, ended up in the hospital and she passed away about a week later. And that was when I ended the second sort of stint of white knuckling. But I really knew at that point that I wanted to change. She never drank in her entire life. So she was almost a hundred and a teetotaler her whole life and just set this amazing example for others. And when she passed away, it was just, I knew that I wanted to change. And it took me another two years, um, but I definitely got there. We moved back to Texas after she died. I was like, okay, again, this fresh start, only I thought I was really ambitious this time. I thought, okay, I've got it. You know, I've, I've tried sobriety a couple of times. And if I go back home, this will be the difference that I need. Um, well, we just, it's, it, we all do it. We seek things outside of us to fix an internal m- malady or spiritual problem or, yeah. you know, however you want to phrase it, fill the hole inside of us. Yeah. And I, I, I hear that so much. And so I know um, that, yeah, that's part of so many stories. So I kept, kept doing all these changes and it did start to build the foundation. So I was still drinking a lot, still blacking out. Um, I ended up getting a new job. And that's that's the one I have today that that started me down the path of a lot of travel. And I'd been traveling with this job maybe six months. And in sales, trade shows and conferences are, people are in vacation mode. And so my drinking wasn't any better because that's just part of the culture. Yeah. Some of these outings. And I just knew that if I kept drinking, kept blacking out on trips, that something was going to happen. Either I was going to put myself in a bad situation or um, something was going to happen with this job. And I loved my job. I loved my job and I loved my husband. And the risks just became way too great. Um, I knew I came back from a trip in May and I knew I was done. And we had a neighbor who... Um, had said, if you ever want to go to an open meeting, you're welcome to come with me. So I knew who to reach out to. And at this point, I tried everything else, the memoirs, the anti-anxiety medication, all of these things. 
and said, okay, what do I have to lose? I'm going to try a 12-step meeting and stuck with it. You know, it's, it's the first thing I did consistently. Right. <laughs> now, obviously, you had expressed your concerns around drinking to your neighbor, or was she just like, okay, you woke up in the yard again, Christy, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> was she 12-stepping you, or did you go to her? I mean, I think I know the answer, but I'm just curious. Well, interestingly, things would happen with my husband. Like, he got really sick one time from drinking, and so think, I would talk to her about maybe these sorts of things that this was going on. And so that's when she would usually bring it up. She would come visit us in the backyard. We, we'd sit out in the backyard all the time and she would come over and I wouldn't realize she was drinking sparkling water or diet Dr. Pepper. She was so fun. I just always thought that I never paid attention because I was too drunk to notice, but, right. but I didn't realize she was always sober. And so, yeah, when I started talking about, you know, these, these things are happening, then Yes, she was, she mentioned it to me. And so I knew I had a place to go. Awesome. Yeah. And that you, and that you took the, you know, it takes what it takes, right? And that there you were. How, how old were you at this point, Christy, just for our listeners to know? So I was about to be 43. Okay. Because about to be, I'll be 45 this year. Okay. So yeah, I was about to turn 43. I dove in with both feet. I got a sponsor, worked the steps. Uh, anything I needed to do, I did. I went to meetings on the road. So mm-hmm. even when I was traveling, I made it a point if I needed to get to one, I went. And so I did all uh, a lot of work in the beginning to lay this amazing foundation. So now I stay connected and I go maybe once a week. I'm, I don't go as much during travel, but uh, it's still helped me get to where I am today. So 12 step kind of clicked for you kind of right away. Was it the community or did you work the steps or, or was it both things? I think it was a little bit of both. I think it helped to have something to work towards. So I didn't know a lot about the steps and how they worked together and that it was like having homework. So I, I enjoyed doing these assignments and then I will say that six and seven, letting go of character defects was pivotal for me. Um, And that was part of too, the woman I was working with was much more direct than I am. So she could help say, oh, this is your people pleasing at work and help me set boundaries. So there was a lot of the combination of that connection and then using the steps, but I always credit six and seven with really being the difference between how I lived before, because when I would try to stop without any tools, it was always my perfectionism and my controlling nature and my expectation of outcomes that would lead me to then drink again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a, it's a circle, right? It's just like Groundhog Day. Yeah. So when I let go of those things and wanted to live a more peaceful life and not exhibit all of this control and give that up to a higher power. So I certainly know that that's an important part of the 12-step program. Um, And I have an amazing spiritual life today. But uh, really recognizing those patterns of behavior that were negative and toxic for me and saying, 
hey, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to implement a tool right here and stop that cycle. Did you, since you mentioned a higher power, did you have one before you started 12-step or did you have to try to find one when you were, when you began? I did a little bit. I was raised in the Methodist church and was always involved with youth group and church choir, but I don't think I ever really felt the connection in church like some people do. So I was kind of looking for the God of my understanding Mm -hmm. and it probably took a year of letting go of guilt around not going to church or what that might look like Mm -hmm. and discovering more a spiritual aspect of yoga and some other things that I've opened myself up to that um, I absolutely believe in like a universal spirit and that we're all connected somehow but uh, and that the universe guides me but it definitely does not look like it did when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, and two, I mean, I know this because, you know, we've chatted a lot and, and um, we've gotten to know each other, but I know that you are very open and willing to try even lots of things, things that you thought you never would try before, you know, that you thought, you know, were maybe ridiculous or you had prejudgments about, why don't you, um, do you feel comfortable sharing some of those things? Sure. I think that that's, that was one of my biggest learnings last year. And I think part of going back to letting go of character defects, it also helps me with character building and letting go of opinions of others. So then I was, yeah, try all the things. Like I don't, there's no self-consciousness or embarrassment. Um, what you I could probably sneeze in class and get embarrassed before. And now it would take quite a bit, I think, to embarrass me. So it's such a difference. Um, But yeah, that worrying less about what others others think really is what led me to try all these things. So um, aerial yoga was something that I started. Yoga has been part of my journey from the beginning, but trying aerial yoga classes was a ton of fun my studio closed, which is the only reason I don't go anymore, but, um, I really want to try one of the uh, class too. It looks so fun. It is. And it's, it's challenging, but when you actually get to that pose or even try, it just makes you feel so good. Like I, here I am suspended in the air and (laughs) I feel like you're flying or something. I'm pretty sure I would have the giggles though the whole time. It's that uh, we, that was the great thing about with the class I was going to is we all would laugh about nobody yes. was like, Oh, you have to, you know, if you can't achieve this, it was a very safe space. And so we all had fun together. Well, good. Yeah. I would hope that the, the teacher, that the instructors wouldn't take it all, you know, like very seriously and, you know, had to be very earnest and um, but <laughs> because how could you, I mean, you're like fly, flying in the air. Yeah. yeah. So I that would was, have the giggles. Well, it was, we definitely had a lot of good laughs. Um, I think two different workshops. So I, I signed up for things that I went to alone. Um, the workshop I went to last April was uh, Jen Pasteloff, who her book was about to come out called On Being Human. And I, it felt very random at the time. I randomly came across her workshop and went alone and it was amazing. Um, 
she sat down in front of me and we talked about self-limiting beliefs and she said, okay, now what? And I really wanted to start writing again. So my now what was launching my blog. And so being willing to go on this, to this place I had never been before to this workshop I knew very little about uh, turned out to be a pivotal moment in my, what's now my writing career. Yeah. Yeah. So just uh, lots of things. Uh, my travel adventures, I try to get out and explore on every trip I'm on. So I'll find something in the city that might be of interest. Um, last year in May, I was coming up on a year. So May 12th of last year was my one year sobriety birthday. And I was going to be in Calgary. So I stayed over for a day and did a solo day trip through Banff National mm. Park. I've heard that's just absolutely exquisite. It was. It was very chilly that day, but I ended up, I started in Lake Louise, which was the furthest point mm. from where I was at and worked my way back. And I just, the night before I looked up day trip itineraries and found one that looked good and thought, okay, I can do this. So I started at Lake Louise. Well, the uh, park ranger that I stopped to talk to said, oh, there's a lookout. Up, just take this trail. I started up this trail and it was icy and snowy and I had on tennis shoes and I kept thinking, I can do this. This is probably really dumb, but I can do this. <laughs> uh -huh. so, there was a group of young women ahead of me. And so I thought, well, if nothing else, I've got, I've got somebody I can yell out to. And so we ended up, we all ended up at the top at this lookout. And the unfortunate part was Lake Louise was still frozen. So it didn't look oh, like beautiful blue. I know. It's so picturesque. I mean, when I see it, it just looks fake. Yeah. So it was just looked kind of like an ice rink, but <laughs> very empowering because I made my way up and these girls were so nice and we are still all connected on Instagram today. So I get to follow their travels. And um, so I met a whole group of people at the top of this lookout in at Lake Louise and I even ran into them later in the day. So it was pretty magical to connect with a group of strangers. And I find that on all of the things that I do. Well, I, when I met you, I think you had some bumps with your travel. You had some glitches that had happened and I just loved your attitude and you seemed, you know, it was like, you know, you, you don't control the universe. You didn't control your luggage. You didn't control, you know, what was, you know, where you had to be at a certain time. You had to switch hotel. Like you were just open to what was and that yeah. seemed very uh, grounded and very um helpful for you i'm sure with your emotional sobriety you know and you were heading to a wedding right and yes i saw and pictures of you from that wedding and you look like a million bucks christy How well, did that feel? thank you i i i think i texted you that day and said okay i feel like a mermaid i was in this uh, <laughs> dress um and so yeah it was I knew it was going to be a little bit intimidating to be around people that I don't, I'm not around all the time. So I connected with you and Natalie that morning. Yeah. It was great. But yes, I was waiting for my luggage. It had not shown up. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so it was coming later and they were dropping it off. So it had your gown in it. Like you had a beautiful gown for the wedding. Yes. Yeah. I had my whole outfit. And I think that you're right. It's the travel has forced me to accept the way things are. I 
you know, I can't change travel delays. I can't change lost luggage, but I can certainly change my attitude about it. And so I almost think that that's, you know, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And I think that this job has been such a great opportunity for me to expand uh, my personal growth through, yeah, just being out of my routine all the time and having to learn uh, how to navigate new things all Mm -hmm. the time. Yeah, it's like you get tested all the time and, and you're rising to the occasion. I think that's very cool. Yeah. Do you, do you have a strong sober community um, in Houston, like in real life relationships? So I have a home group here in Fort Worth mm-hmm. and I, so I still go about once a week. Um, a lot of my friends, when I go back to Phoenix, even are starting down the path of yoga and other things that their relationship with mm-hmm. alcohol has changed. So it's interesting because I, I guess I kind of worried at first that maybe I wouldn't find enough sober friends, but I'm finding that so many of my old friends are changing their course. And so we've all grown together. It's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but absolutely. I have, of course, I'm in the unruffled secret Facebook group, which I love connecting with people there and being able to do meetups in real life. Um, and yeah, when I, I know when I need to get to, I'm needing to connect with the women that I've met through that network. Yeah. I think we have a lot of Phoenix ladies too. So if you go back there and yeah. you want to reach out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I just realized. So I thought, I don't think I've reached out in the group since my trip to Northern California last year. Mm. I thought I need to start posting uh, my travels so that yeah. I can incorporate more, more travel meetups. Well, when you, yeah, if you feel like it or if you have the bandwidth, but like, you know, if you, if you ever have time for dancing, you might want to get in touch with uh, Jill Henning, who's been on our show, because she's mm-hmm. a real good dancer, <laughs> real good dancer and one of our favorite people. So yeah, she's awesome. Well, and so many others. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about, let's kind of switch gears here. And, um, and although it's not really switching because it's all um, connected, but um, what kind of creative medium do you work in, Christy? What is your, what is your chosen creative um, outlet? Sure. So I love to write. Um, I, I remember winning a poetry for a poetry book in second grade. So mm-hmm. I've loved writing since the beginning and I've journaled pretty much my whole life. Um, I was in group therapy as a teenager, so I think that's what started the practice of journaling, and I've just stuck with it. So I love writing because I can get my overthinking brain to put it all down on paper. (laughs) And then I think sometimes I don't feel especially well-spoken or that I can maybe get my thoughts out in the right way. So I love writing because I can go back and and edit and feel like I've said what I wanted to say. Hmm. I, I wrote a blog a few years ago, but I kind of let that go. And I was still actively drinking. And I, at the time it was meant to be motivational and inspirational. And I felt like it, like I didn't know, like maybe if I talk about this, then it'll work on me, but it really didn't. So I kind of let that go. And so when I, first got sober, I started writing an anonymous uh, Instagram intention for every day. So 
so I would pick a word for the day and I would write a little excerpt about it and help me focus on a certain intention for every day. And I wrote that for about six months. And then that was when I went to the workshop last April and then launched the blog, relaunched a blog right after that. Hmm. So yeah, I write every week. And then my next now what was working with Sandra. Yeah. Ooh, so do you want to share a little bit about that? Are you okay to do that or is it in process? Oh, we're, yeah, we've, we've completed our time together. Um, I decided to do Change Your Story because I thought maybe in the four weeks I would finish an outline for this idea of a book I had. And I'm 22,000 words in. Yeah. Wow. I know. That's awesome. It was so, well, she totally helped me change my story that I'm (laughs) not a writer, that Mm -hmm. I didn't really know where to start. Um, When Granny died in 2016, I thought, I'm going to write her story. She just was such a wonderful lady, and she touched so many people's lives. And I couldn't really do it at the time. I think I was just, I was still grieving it felt overwhelming. I didn't really know where to start. And so even though I let three years go by, I kept always had this idea in the back of my mind. And in the 18 months or so of sobriety I had when I started with Sandra, I realized how many parallels I had with her life. I mean, her service work, she started, she started working in her forties and I got sober in my forties. It just, like a big life change. Um, she just was the kind of person that everybody loved to be around because she just oozed compassion and generosity. And um, I, I feel like now I'm living the life that she inspired. And so I was oh. so excited to start the book about, you know, what, what it would have been about three years ago is totally different than what it's going to be about now. Mm. Right, because you have some perspective and some time and some distance from it, right? To kind of let it marinate and and see what's going to come from that. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to write when you're in the moment, right? It is good, cathartic. But you're right, it's a different lens that you have right now. I thought if it was going to be incredibly historical and factual, that I could never do it justice. And Mm. now it's really my story with her influence. And even during my time working with Sandra, I sort of invited ideas around my other grandmother in. So now I feel like I can incorporate both of their stories into it. And it's transformed in this beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has been. It was a beautiful process. And I've said this before, but everyone that I've worked with, we start off with one intention, but it kind of morphs and changes and turns into something more close to what I think it's meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been great. I mean, Sandra helped me just get the stories down, get the memories down. And, um, I, yeah, it's been right. Like go of it being perfect and perfectly structured and all of that. You can, you know, all of those things you can fix and edit later. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed um, reading your story. I can't wait to see, you know, what comes of it. Um, because it's such a sweet, 
it's such a sweet, beautiful telling and honoring of your, of your, of your, both of your, um, matriarchal lineage and your, and your gram, your, both of your grandmas. So sweet. Yeah. And I think you mentioned lineage. That's been one of the most fun things is we bought 20 acres last year in central Texas and we spend weekends out there and gardening and have this idea of hobby farm someday. And both of my grandmothers grew up on a farm. So it's mm. still like this return to my roots, which has been just a great journey. So, I mean, I know everything is going to bleed into everything else here, um, Christy, but with, with your art and your creativity and your writing and, um, you know, your life, you have this life, you have a husband and you have your farming and how is that like intersecting with your sobriety and recovery or how do you make sense of those things? Like how do they feed each other now that you're a sober woman? Yeah, I think it's, um, it was a little tough this past year, uh, I think I just wrote a blog, sort of my year in review, and it felt maybe a little, I'm ready to slow down in the new year. Let's put it mm. that way. Yeah. So it was, it was a great year. I just, with spending weekends in Hamilton, where our, our property is, and traveling and volunteering, which I know we'll talk about that too, but just all of these things I was doing I wanted to embrace all of those things. So I think that's, it's probably lacked any sort of, I guess, structure, not that it has to, but I just was dabbling in all of these different things. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun to, but then I found myself maybe not being able to find enough time to write or because when we're out at the property, there is no nothing. We are totally unplugged. So Mm-hmm. I can certainly write uh, for the book, write book content, but I can't blog because I'm not connected. So mm-hmm. there's, it was uh, finding space for everything was a little bit of a challenge. So I'm sort of reassessing now and figuring out what I want to make space for in the coming year. And, and January is such a good month to do that. I just had a lady boss meeting with some creative entrepreneurs who are all sober. And we were talking about just this recalibration that's happening right now this month, right? And um, I love it. And, and I'm doing things differently than I normally do. But yeah, January is kind of this hopeful, energetic, um, but the recalibration is real. Like, what do I really want? What am I going to dig into this year? What is my hopes and dreams? And um and definitely like being disconnected from the internet. I'm about to be disconnected in a few days and it feels a little weird because I'm usually always connected. Um, but knowing that that has to be like, there's a, there's a reason for it to just, to, to just be, which is yeah. hard. Yeah. And that the property is a sacred space for me. I've started when it's not too cold, I'll get up and do yoga outside or I'll take the dogs for a walk around the property and just, uh, enjoy nature. So it's a wonderful place to recharge and we get out there as often as we can. Um, so that, that certainly is an amazing opportunity in its own right. But yeah, I just, um, I think that's where I, I just want to figure out sort of how to slow down a little bit and still continue to have, not feel like I have all these other things I need to be doing when we're out there. I want to be able to go out there and just totally unplug. 
Mm, I love it. It sounds so dreamy, actually, and plugging. Um, Christy, you mentioned your your blog that you write. It's called cultivatingkindness.net. We'll put the link in the show notes. But I know that you mentioned it too, that volunteering and service, giving back, that's all a big part of what you do. Um, have you always, has that always been in you? Is that always something you've done? Or did it start, you know, is it a more, is it a more recent um, thing that, you, that you've added into your life? When I think back, I guess I did do rescue, uh, animal rescue in my early 20s. So that was uh, something I was involved with. And that's actually what ultimately led to my job in the pet industry. I think it was kind of that foundation of loving pets and loving people's connection to pets. So I did that for a while. But then when I got busy with work and got married and all of these things, I definitely let that fall by the wayside. And I think I might have signed up for an orientation here or there throughout the last decade, but never went anywhere with it. I think there was always the nagging feeling that I needed to be doing something or that I, I knew I would enjoy giving back, but I just didn't make time for it until I got sober. And now it's been incredible. Well, you reached out to me, Christy, um, to, I can't remember what I sent you now, now that I'm just saying that I just drew a blank. You were doing something um, on, with it, is it with Meals on Wheels? Yes, I volunteer right? for Meals on Wheels every week. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, that's how we connected originally as I was learning about that you were doing that work when you reached out. I think that's beautiful. Can you talk a little bit about how that came to be? Sure. I, um, it's really interesting. We, I know we talk a lot in the group about synchronicity and signs. And once I, I got sober, I knew, okay, service was going to be, I was hearing everybody loud and clear, you need to, to do service and get out of yourself. So when I sort of thought, okay, I'm ready, Meals on Wheels practically jumped in my lap. <laughs> I went to, I saw a flyer at Starbucks, and then I drove to dinner with some friends a couple of days later, and there was a billboard on a highway that I don't travel that often where I was going to meet them. And then a couple of days, I, I told them about it at dinner, like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I've seen a couple of signs for Meals on Wheels. And then a couple of days after that, I parked way out at the grocery store parking lot and there was somebody parked next to me with a magnet on their car for Meals on Wheels. Mm. <laughs> so okay, I, universe, well played. What you need to be doing. So I texted my two friends that I'd had dinner with and one of them was sitting behind a car at an intersection who also had a magnet. So, <laughs> okay. Loud and clear. Um, there is no <laughs> doubt about this. This is what I need to be doing. So <laughs> I signed up for orientation. I talked to, I work from home, so I have a pretty flexible schedule, but I talked to my boss about uh, doing a regular Friday route. So everyone knows I'm out of pocket Friday mornings, and so I have a regular route that I drive, and I love my clients. They just, they're all homebound, uh, so for one reason or the other, so they're not all necessarily elderly. Some of them may have physical conditions that they're at home or can't drive, and they're just um, such a joy to me, and sometimes it changes, so you may have someone who's not on your route anymore, doesn't need 
doesn't need you anymore, the meals. And so I'll get new people on my route. I've had some people that are, have been there from the beginning and I've been doing it for over a year, I think about a year and a half now. And yeah, I started kind of, um, yeah, we, you sent me postcards, Tammy. That's what it was. Um, I wrote about when I travel and I have to miss a week, I will grab postcards from whatever town I was in or city I was in and write little notes for my clients the following week and say, Hey, I was in Nashville and sorry, I had to miss our week, but you know, I was thinking about you guys. And so I started. Oh, that's sweet. So I sort of made this routine of every couple months, I'll deliver postcards to them in their bag. And Tammy was kind enough to send me some postcards that I use to deliver little love notes to my clients. I love what you were doing. I was like, oh yeah, that's, yes, very sweet. Um, so, so I wanted to ask you, so you're volunteering, you do that, you're, you're cultivating kindness, you're writing your blog, um, and you're probably doing service, I imagine. That's probably, it sounds like that's something that really fills you up right now. Like you probably find other opportunities that you don't even have to talk about, right? Like you just, sounds like that's been, as they say in the rooms, keep you sober, right? Service keeps yeah. you sober. Yeah. It's a big part. And I think it's interesting. I hear, I hear a guy in my, um, in the rooms that I, that I attend and, and just talks about how he does, you know, f- five things every day and he lists off the five things he does every day. And he always says, I, I do an act of service and I, um, and I don't talk about it. And I thought about that because I think, I think like cl- picking up the trash in the parking lot, you know, like I don't tell anybody, well, I just did just now, but like, you know what I mean? Like when we do these tiny little acts throughout our everyday, I just want people to know too, like you don't, if you don't have the time to volunteer on at Meals on Wheels or whatever, there's still service that you can do that you don't have to talk about. And they can be the quiet acts. I think that, um, that make you feel good with it without having, um, without having to have a, a weekly commitment, you know what I mean? Or, a uh, a monthly commitment at a meeting or something like that. There's like these little tiny little acts of service. And I think that helps me um, stay grounded, right? Giving to others. I, I really, I, I like that. And I like that, um, that that's so important to you, Christy. That says a lot about your character and just who you are as a human. Oh, well, Thank you for doing it. Thanks. Um, yeah, absolutely. I wrote a blog about being the kind of person who changes the toilet paper roll when it's empty at a restaurant, you know, those, those, those little things. It's an act of service. And a max of kindness. It's those little things that, you know, uh-huh. you, you, you choose to, to help out the next person, you know, that silly or that small, but um, yeah, yeah I, I love it. It is the highlight of my week. Hmm. Um, and now I am a, a mentor uh, through a mentorship program, so that's recent. But uh, that's a, I, I feel like now I'm giving back to the elders in my community and the young people. So I'm mm-hmm. sort of bridging the gap. It's, it's yeah, it's been great. Very cool. Very yeah. cool that you can do that now and, you, and the clarity and it just you sound really happy, Christy. You sound really clear and just very like grounded. I am. So I've had two different people over the last week say, you just seem so calm. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize that I was not calm. I guess I didn't, that I didn't. Um, I certainly didn't feel calm on the inside by any means. So it's nice to, to feel that way. And yes, know that I'm exuding a sense of peace that maybe helps calm other people. 
Well, so at the, at, let's see. So you're at this phase, you're doing your work. You're, you're um, have, you said 20 months sober just the other day. And do you, um, I mean, do you feel like you're at the, at the peak of your, of, I mean, is this like the best you've ever felt? Are you thriving in a way that, you know, that you ever, did you ever dream of, of kind of the life that you're living now? And um, can you share with our listeners, like what that feels like or what, what you're going through, um, you know, as you've reached this point, I know you have, there's more to come, but at this point of your recovery, eight, 18 months ish is kind of this, it's another milestone I know in the rooms um, for a reason, right? We get to the year and then the next six months sometimes can be this recalibration as well. So can you share with our listeners how you're thriving and how you're feeling? Sure. I think for me, and you see a lot of it in January because people are trying to assess their own relationships with alcohol. So you see friends in and out of sober communities. And I hear so often, I don't think I can do it forever. And I was stuck in that mindset for so long. Okay, I can try it and I'm going to give it up for a little bit, but I don't, I can't give it up forever. And the freedom that came with deciding I don't want to drink anymore was way beyond what I expected. I think I, I had the hope that I would feel better and the hope that, um, I mean, these days, and I don't, I don't knock anyone who needs medication to help with their emotional well-being, but I don't take anything anymore. I feel amazing. I have tools that I use every day to help manage my stress and my anxiety. And I just never thought, I thought, yes, it'll be great to not drink anymore. I never thought that I would seek out such a fulfilling life. So I didn't know when I stopped. And of course it's rough the first six months, or I I say, I think it was around nine months that I had that psychic change that we talk about. So I think it took me about nine months to not think, oh, this is terrible. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm great one day and I'm terrible the next and this roller coaster. But uh, when things started to settle down and I thought, okay, I'm doing this. Now it's like, okay, that needs to be less of a focus for me. Um, now what can I add to my life? So mm, I love that. Took away alcohol and that's, that's fine. And now it's like, what can I add? And so, yeah, I did not think that I would be thriving like I am embracing travel and having to go somewhere different every week or two and navigate new airports and meet strangers. And um, I just would never have pictured that for my life. And I love it. And then I come home and I volunteer and we go out to the farm and I write and just all of these aspects of my life that before I was very, very career focused. Um, for a while there, I was fitness focused. There were kind of these things that I thought defined who I was. And none of those are present today <laughs> to, to any great extent. I mean, I still have a great career, but it's just, yeah, I love all of these new things that I've added to my life. Mm. And what type of, I mean, I know from your travels, you've done some pretty cool things. Are there anything you could share with our listeners like that has been kind of fun that that you would not have done before? Gosh, I think just getting out and exploring on my own. And the cool part about me sharing that sometimes in my blog or just sharing it with others is now seeing this ripple effect for other people. So Mm. when I went to Ottawa, 
sometime, I think it was the end of the summer. So um, I, I did not know that Ottawa was, was the capital of Canada, I will admit. So, <laughs> okay, well, there's probably a lot of cool stuff to do there. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get out and explore the city. Well, a friend of mine who I see at trade shows all the time was like, oh, I usually just kind of sit in my hotel room. And so, well, then come out and explore with me. So we went out and I took a picture in front of the capital and got to see some of the history of the city. So that was really neat. Uh, I got out and walked again the next morning to see some other things that I hadn't seen. But, and then I have a coworker who texted me on her last trip and she sent me a picture of the beautiful mountains and the fall colors and said, I got out of my hotel room. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's like, you know, the, the joy that you um, are emanating by following your curiosity, uh, you know, it's attractive. It's that, uh, you know, attraction and not promotion kind of thing. It gives other people permission to try the same. Yeah. It's so cool. So there's, there's certainly, there's cities I go to that maybe safety is a factor or where I'm staying. So I, I always keep that in mind. But if there's an opportunity for me to get out at some point during the day and go venture to somewhere, um, Atlantic City, there was a, a woman at the trade show that I did not know. And she mentioned wanting to get out and explore. And I said, well, I'll go with you. Well, she was from Belgium. So I got to meet this woman from the other side of the world. We went and walked on the Atlantic City Boardwalk together and enjoyed the sun on our face and got out of the hotel. So, yeah, I meet people along the way, too, which is pretty cool. Mm, very cool. Do you order uh, room service? Because I do love me some room service. <laughs> Since I can't drink, I'm like, I'm going to order me some room service. I don't care how much it costs. Like, it feels like decadent. <laughs> yes, and all the desserts. Yes. So, <laughs> so if we're out as a group or something, I'm like, I'm having dessert because everybody else is having their wine. And so yeah. I get to enjoy uh, spending a few calories on uh, my fun dessert. Um, but yes, I do love room service. I'll, I'll usually get out and about for a little bit and then carve out at least one night on a trip where I'm just decompressing and enjoying my solitude. Yeah. You sound so happy, Christy. I keep just emanating and just like knowing you and, and having met you. And it just sounds, it's so you sound really good. I love it. This is like, what, Sandra, what do you say? She's making sobriety look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. You, you certainly are. do. Absolutely. Well, thanks. I have a smile. Like I'm beaming on my face. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> well, good. Could, could you even imagine that your life could be like this, you know, when you were drinking or... You know, did you, did you even have any clue of what it was going to become? Not at all. And yeah. a lot of what I've been reading and exploring later, uh, lately is about uh, authentic self and sort of uh, excavating your authentic self. And so I think this was always available to me, but I went down a different path and, and that's okay. I had to, to live that way long enough to bring me back to this idea of um, you know, like I said, I have, I have some pretty good genetics. I have some pretty caring, giving, uh, grandmothers that have happily married parents. I have all these things that, um, have allowed me to be the whole person that I am today. And it's just, yeah, I didn't think that it would be like this at all. Mm. Mm. Well, well, beautiful to witness. Yeah. And to hear about. Yeah, these people always said, like, I, oh, she's so nice. And I, I always try to be nice to people, 
but it's different when I feel so complete and whole from the inside. It's that that people pleasing mm -hmm. is is going, you know, has gone away. Yes, I want to help people, but it comes from a, a, a genuine place where I'm just truly filled up inside. Yeah, I guess I, I was just thinking about the word happy. I don't even know if I meant, I mean, yes, of course I mean that, but it's more like alive. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what I'm getting from what you're sharing and how you're living your life and what you're doing. It just feels really alive. I think that's really, that's really cool because we do kind of just wake up to ourselves um, sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. Right. And I think, I think that's kind of what's happening here. Yes. I would yeah. agree. So I don't know, Sandra, do you have anything before I kind of switch into no, the toolbox? No, I love, yeah. I've loved everything you've said, Christy. Mm. Well, thank you. And it was such a treat to work with you and um, get where I was. And Tammy, I'm sure we'll connect on a project someday. I'm sure. Yeah. No, we all, like attracts like. I, I, I noticed that in this community, you know, and I'm very honored. And as I'm sure I know Sandra's expressed as well, to work with the women in our community and to share what we've what we know and what's worked for us, you know, and see people riff on it and spin out, you know, kind of spin off of it and then take it there in their own direction. And like where you started at point A with your idea and then where you're at now with the book. Like, I love that. Mm. I love that. And remaining open and teachable and being uh, willing to try new things. Like all of these are principles I hear about in the rooms, right? Being honest, open-minded, willing, also ready you know, those four things I think are so key, not just to sobriety, but to our um, creative lives as well. Definitely. So. It took me three years to get ready and I'm so glad I finally did. <laughs> finally mm. got there. Mm. Good. Well, this is the part of the show where we ask you to share three items from your unruffled toolbox, um, you know, sobriety related or um, how, something in your creative world that helps you. Um, to share with our listeners. So what are your three things, Christy? Well, I uh, sort of geared mine towards travel, things I do on my travels, because oh, I great. don't Good. want someone to think that they live a lifestyle that's maybe too disruptive to be sober. Um, I have thrived in sobriety even during my travels. So my first one is uh, one that's uh, talked about quite often as podcasts or meditation, I make sure I've downloaded a library of podcasts before I get on the plane. So are you guys there? I'm here. Sorry. I thought I lost you for a I second. I don't know. We're here. <laughs> okay. Um, so the, so yeah, I think podcasts, I, if I'm on a plane for a couple of hours, then that's the perfect time to catch up on the unruffled. I love the Good Life Project. So there's quite a few things I listen to um, on plane travel. And those, especially in the early days, I would download speaker meetings. And so I would listen to speaker meetings and now it's more about personal growth. Um, the second one is nature or green spaces. When I'm traveling somewhere else, I find somewhere, maybe it's a park, Sometimes I'll literally be driving by and see a park and think, oh, I'm going to stop and just take a, a lap around that park. And one of the places I stopped last year in Canada, I got to the end of the trail and there was a sign about forest bathing. And I had just listened to that on your toolbox episode about forest bathing. And I was like, uh -huh. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love finding spots where 
um, I can enjoy nature even if I'm staying downtown in a city, just getting that, um, that exposure to sunlight and to green. And then finally, just being brave. And I know that can look uh, different for every person, but I think just being willing to set aside any aspect of being self-conscious and being nervous and set up coffee dates, go to workshops, um, get out and explore. The reward is so much better than, it is so much greater than just the kind of pulling up and being alone. Um, getting out and exploring is so rewarding. So I think just uh, whatever it takes to overcome that anxiety is going to be worth it to um, get out and connect with people or places where you're at. Mm, very cool. Oh, thank you, Christy. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's been such a pleasure to have met both of you and to be I know. part of the community. Yeah, we have, we're, we feel very, Sandra and I talk about that a lot. We are so fortunate to have the community that we have within our um, listener base. And it just feels um, just another gift of sobriety, just this other um, tool, right? To reach out. Mm, I'm going to meet up with someone ruffled um, tomorrow night going to Portland and I reached out. I still haven't picked a place. So I need to do that when I get off of here, but I'm not stressed about it. I know it'll all work out. Haven't picked a place, but I know the Dick Blick art supply store is nearby. So I feel like maybe that's the meeting spot. I don't know. It feels (laughs) good. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm just excited. Um, My friend is coming down to pick me up from the airport um, cause she's going to be in Portland just ha- so happens for the night. She's an unruffled and, um, and she's like, I'll pick you up. Yeah, it'll be great. I was like, perfect. Like the, the universe is lining everything up for me. So it'll, uh, I will, I will take some of your travel tips with me. Those are great. I download a couple of things that I need to listen to actually kind of just for research for us too. Um, but thank you, Christy. You've been a delight. Well, thank you guys. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.